I'd also like to, as Brother Richards said, to uh, thank the church for uh, your hospitality. We will not be here this Sunday. We're going to be leaving Friday, so I need to say our uh, thanksgivings and our goodbyes tonight. And uh, thank you for again for your hospitality and for supporting uh, the Kuzel family as we help you and aid you in fulfilling the Great Commission and reaching African souls. And we count it a privilege to be partners with you. It's a blessing to know the Lord and to serve the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and thank you for the exhortation uh, from the preacher, Father, to awake out of sleep. And I'm thinking again of the verse that we're to awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And Father, it's so true, this could be the last service. It's going to come because it's appointed unto men once to die. And Father, may we be diligent to lay up treasures in heaven. And Father, bless the uh, teaching tonight. And Father, may it encourage and challenge your hearers. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your Bible, please, and go to uh, Luke. Luke chapter 5. I'd like to uh, challenge the church tonight, encourage you in your missions endeavors, your diligence in getting the gospel to people. This actually, this text of scripture is uh, one of my uh, favorite portions of scripture on this subject and um, it's, it really is a blessing to me, and may God help me to communicate it to you this evening, the truth. Let's read in verse number 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before <coughs> Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, 
He answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he arose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. That would be strange, wouldn't it, brother? The whole, the whole thing here is strange. I want us to consider statements and words and phrases that are in this portion of Scripture. The Bible says in verse 17, and it came to pass. And by the way, this statement you find many times in the Bible, and it came to pass. And it occurred to me one day as I was reading that, you know, I try to, I try to get out as much of the Word of God as I can at a given time and want the Lord to show me something and teach me something that I hadn't seen before. And even this phrase here, and it came to pass. And a thought occurred to me. Every day that God gives us, by the end of the day, by the end of the night, when we go to bed and we pillow our head, Something came to pass, right? I mean, something happened during the day. We did something. We went places. We talked to people. Maybe there's things we didn't do that we should have done, but something came to pass. And I th started thinking about that a little bit more, and the thought occurred to me, when it comes to my life, when it comes to your life, barring divine intervention... We have the privilege, we have the opportunity, brother, to write our own history. And it came to pass. So when I look at the end of the day, at the end of the day, and I look back and I see, well, what, what, what did I accomplish today? How was the time spent? What did I do? What did I think? What, what happened? What came to pass today? You know, a lot of that's in my own choices. And have you ever looked at the, looked back on a day and thought, oh, this was just wasted. I really didn't do anything of eternal value. What, what, what treasure did I send up in heaven? You know, it's almost as if the person, you know, just imagine an angel up there with the accounting book, the log book, and he's sitting there at his, you know, heavenly desk, and, and you know, he's assigned to me, and he's waiting to be recording something, and Nothing's written down. What a waste of day. Maybe we were sleeping. And it came to pass. Something's going to come to pass. Why not make it a good thing? And it came to pass on a certain day. Now this is not just any day. This is on a certain day. 
And I believe this, this wording here is God wants us to see something and to consider it. It's not, it's not a normal day. Jesus was here and he's teaching. And the Bible says as he was teaching that there were Pharisees, in verse 17, Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. Now, you know what a Pharisee is. It's a religious leader. It's somebody who has dedicated himself, supposedly, to the truth of God, the word of God. And the Pharisees were very strict, a very strict sect in, the, in, in Judaism. You know, maybe people would look at them and say they're legalists, and I kind of think they were, <laughs> by the true sense of the word. And then you've got doctors, and these are not medical doctors. These are doctors of the law. So these are people who invest and spend their time studying the law of Moses. They're lawyers, religious lawyers. And the Bible says that they came out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. I take God's word literally, and I don't believe that the Spirit of God in inspiring His Word exaggerates or gives overstatements. And if the Bible says out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, that's exactly what I believe. There's a lot of people here. A lot of Pharisees, a lot of religious doctors, doctors of the law. And what are they doing? Well, Jesus is teaching and they're just, they're sitting by. And when I read this, sitting by, it's, it's, it's kind of what you mentioned, Brother Richard. You know, you're in church, but you're not really in church. You're here bodily, but your mind is somewhere else. And that's what these kind of people here were doing. They're just, Jesus is teaching. Can you imagine sitting and, and, and being in the audience of the very Son of God, creator of heaven and earth? Oh, they're just sitting by. Now listen, when somebody stands behind the pulpit, it's not the man. It's what's being said. Thank God we can open up a book. You know, this, this Bible is just a speck. Just, just a speck of God's mind on the written page. And it's God communicating to us. And to hear the Lord Jesus Christ, to observe him, to see him, to hear him. And they're just sitting by. But notice this. Look at, look, look at verse 17 again. I want to bring something to your attention. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching... That there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Notice, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now up to this point, verse 17, up to this point, the only people that are mentioned, the power of the Lord is present to heal them. 
up to this point, the only people mentioned in the text are the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. And the power of the Lord is present to heal them. You know, there's some things that we can learn from this. The first thing I see that I consider is this. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. These people, these these Pharisees and these doctors of the law, brother, they needed some healing. And what kind of healing did they need? This was not a gathering of sick people. I mean, this wasn't an infirmary. This wasn't a hospital. These people were sick. But they were sick spiritually. You know, you can be religious, as religious as these people. But the truth is, if you've never been born again, you are sick. You have a disease called sin. You are terminally ill, and you're going to die. And the point is, you know, Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. And I'm just telling you in the word of God, as far as the outward appearance, you can't get more religious than a Pharisee. And you may be a Sunday school teacher. You may be involved in music somehow. You could, if you've got deacons, name any position in the church. Name any kind of Christian service that you do. If you haven't been born again, you'll not see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And these, these Pharisees and doctors of the law, they needed healing. And I won't major on this point, but you need to ask yourself seriously if you've been truly born again. And it doesn't matter. You know, don't be like the, uh, the, the uh, Jews. Well, we have Abraham to our father. You know, it doesn't matter who your father is. It doesn't matter what your last name is. You must be born again. Then I see it's the power of the Lord that was present to heal. The power of the Lord is present. It's, the, it's only the power of God that can save and, and forgive and transform your soul. It's the power of the Lord. And it was present. And you know who the, where that power was? It was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which is taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. May you ask the Lord, will you ask the Lord, those of you of Clacker Road Baptist Church, ask God to show you a man. I know we're to reach the world, we're to preach the gospel to every creature, and I understand that. 
But you know, sometimes I think when we look at the magnitude of what we're commanded to do, it can be overwhelming. But if you kind of boil it down, you narrow it down to the fact that you as a church, in getting the gospel out, it begins with one person. Ask God to bring to you a man or a woman to lay somebody on your heart. It reminds me again of Acts chapter 8 where the Spirit of God said, go join yourself to that chariot. You see that man? You see that woman over there? I want you to go share the gospel to that person. It begins with a man. You know, when you see the life of Christ, so many times there was crowds thronging him, just like there are here. Remember Zacchaeus, he couldn't see Jesus Christ because of the press. I think of uh, Jesus Christ going through Jericho and there was blind Bartimaeus standing by and saying, Lord, have mercy on us. And all of the crowds of people and all of the noise that was being made, the ears of Almighty God were tuned to the one man. Blind Bartimaeus. What about the woman at the well? I must needs go through Jerusalem or go through Samaria, excuse me. Why? Because he knew that one woman was there. And when I think that I could be used of God to reach that one, boy, that makes it a little bit easier in, in my thinking than, than, than the multitudes. And who is that person? Ask God to give you somebody. Will you do that? Let me ask you something. Currently, presently, at this time in your life, who are you actively, actively seeking, burdened about, praying for, praying concerning their need of salvation? Who are you, who are you active, actively involved in reaching out to? Who are you seeking for Christ? Who exactly are you fishing for? Could you stand up and name a name? Now, some of you have. And say, pray for this coworker. But let me ask you something. Who are you actively seeking after? Here was a man, just a man. And he was brought into bed. You know, this man couldn't walk. That's why they carried him into bed. And anybody who doesn't know the Lord, they cannot walk, spiritually speaking. There's not one person who has the ability and the power to walk according to the commandments of God or the will of God. You can't do it if you're not saved. And this man represents a lost sinner, and he was a lost sinner. He's brought into bed, and the Bible says he was taken, taken with a palsy. You know, that's what sin does. Even for saved people. You know, our flesh is so deceptive and we, 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 we begin to deceive ourselves thinking, no, I can handle this sin. I'm not going to give myself fully to it. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, 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 to dab in it a little bit. I'm just going to do enough to kind of give me a thrill here and there. I can handle it. No, 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 no. The Bible says this man was taken in a palsy. Sin has a way of overcoming. And the Bible says you end up being taken with the cords of sin. 
and it starts so suddenly. One preacher said it like this, you know, the, the one who's hooked on nicotine, you know, at first he's holding the cigarette. But before it's over, the cigarette's holding him. There was a man in Bible college one time in demonstrating, illustrating this, this principle in teaching techniques. He had to give an illustration, and it was on how sin is controlling. And he brought in some thread, you know, so a thin piece of thread. He wrapped it around a, an individual, another student, and he said, okay, break loose. He broke loose. All right, let's do it again. He wrapped it around a few more times. He said, break loose. Mm, broke loose. All right, let me do it again. He wrapped it around and around and around and around. Break loose. Boy, it took a lot more effort. Just this little thread. And you know where I'm going with it. The time came where he wrapped that thread, just, just sewing thread around him too many times and he couldn't break loose. He was taken. Taken in a palsy, this man. Notice verse 18, and behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. This man that was taken with a palsy had some men. You compare scripture, you'll find there was four. And these four people, whoever they were, were concerned enough about this man taken in a palsy, they wanted to bring him to Jesus. Wasn't he blessed to have four friends like that? And let me tell you this, your friends will either bring you to Jesus, encourage you to come to the Lord, or they will turn you away. There's no middle ground. Did you hear me? No middle ground. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. No man can serve two masters. He will either love the one or hate the other, right? There's no middle ground with God. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. You know, in our thinking, we think, well, sometimes there's gray areas. Not with God, brother. The Bible says in him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, with God, it's either black or white. It's either sin or righteousness. Now, it may be a gray area with us, but that's only because we don't have the mind of Christ like we ought to, and we haven't rightly divided the word of truth like we ought to. We just haven't come to it yet. These man, uh, this man had four friends. Evil communications corrupt good manners. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Let me say it like this. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. That's true, brother. So they bring this man to the house. And the Bible says they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him, and when they could not. It's not that they would not, they could not. What's the problem here? 
You know, it's interesting to me that in this house where Jesus is, the people on the inside, this house is filled with what kind of people? People that weren't interested in the first place. And isn't it just like the devil to bring all of those people in there to fill the house so anybody who really wants to hear the truth is on the outside? The devil's going to try to keep people from the truth. And these four friends, they bring this man there. They can't get him in because there's no room. And what did they do? Well, let me tell you what they didn't do. They didn't say, well, I'm sorry, buddy, we tried. We'll just have to come another time. No, that's not what they did. The Bible says they sought means. Hey, this man needs the Lord. This man needs to see Christ. This man needs to be healed. This man is sick of the palsy. He's helpless. He can't do it. And we brought him here. We get him close. Oh, we can't get in. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Hey, I'm sorry, buddy. We're going to take you back. No, they sought means of how they could bring this person to Jesus. Let me ask you something as a church. Are you seeking means? Are you trying to think of some way, some, some how to bring somebody to Christ to get the gospel to somebody? They sought means. They didn't just give up. And you know what they did? Let me say it like this. They thought outside the box. You know, we're, we're, we're so... We're so trapped, I think, sometimes by, by tradition and just how, you know, we've always done it. And I'm not saying, you know, you should change your doctrine. Don't change your doctrine. But maybe there's some other things that God would lead you to do that maybe you haven't thought of before that would be a means whereby you can get the truth to somebody. You can make an impact on somebody. What did they do? Well, the Bible says, verse 19, when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. These four, these four friends they go on the rooftop. Now, this is not their house, beloved. And they start dismantling the roof. <laughs> and Jesus is on the inside with a multitude of scoffers. He let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. I like verse 20. And when he, Jesus, saw their faith. You, you know what James said? Thou believest in one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. 
Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Do you know true faith, true faith in God can and will be seen. Do you know that a man is justified by works? Abraham was justified by works. Rahab the harlot was justified by works. No, Pastor Scott. No, Brother Scott, we're, we're justified by faith. Well, of course we are. We're justified by faith before God. God doesn't need to see our works. He can see our heart. But you know, if you're, James, this is the whole premise of James. If you're going to convince me, if you are going to be justified in my eyes, I can't see the heart. God can, but I can't. And if you're going to be justified in my sight, I want to see the works. I want to see proof. That's what he's saying there in James. And true faith, if it's true faith, true belief in God, it's going to produce something. You read Acts, uh, not Acts, you read um, Hebrews 11, what we call the, the, the faith chapter. By faith, Abel did this. By faith, Abraham did this. Isaac did this. By faith, they did something. Faith works. And you know something? If you really believe in God and you really take God's word seriously and it motivates you, it's going to be seen. Amen. And Jesus saw. He saw their faith. Can people see your faith? Or are you only talk? People need to see it, brother, sister. They need to see it. And if it's true faith, they will. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. May I ask you a question? Can you tell me of the time when the Lord Jesus Christ said to you, Man, your sins are forgiven thee. Woman, your sins are forgiven thee. You know, if there's anything that I would want to hear from the lips of God before anything else, it would be that statement right there, brother. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Do you know that you're saved? Has God told you? Has God told you that your sins are forgiven you? Well, I know I'm saved because my mother told me I'm saved. Well, I know I'm saved because my, my teacher told me I'm saved. I came forward in an invitation and they, they told me I was saved. I prayed and they told me I'm saved now. Let me tell you this. I'm not going to tell you you're saved. If the Holy Spirit isn't telling you you're saved, I'm not going to tell you you're saved. Amen? Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Notice verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. Boy, watch out for these people in church who are always reasoning, reasoning, reasoning. Think they have a better reason for everything. Amen? They began to reason. Saying, 
Who is this that which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, that's true, isn't it? They just didn't see that Jesus was God. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he does, doesn't he? He answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? See, it's a heart issue. Whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk. In other words, if I can do the one, I can do the other. Which is easier? Well, it's nothing for me to do either one. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay. Now, when those four men brought him, he's laying on that bed. That bed if I can say, has overcome him. He is subject to the bed. But when he was saved, he was able to pick up that bed, and now he's carrying that. I'll tell you what, salvation can and will break the power of sin in a person's life. And notice it's immediately, it's this salvation or this healing is not a process is immediate. He rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying we have seen strange things today. Brethren, our job is not done. Because the trumpet hasn't sounded. And there's people, if we'll look around us, and we'll see people as Jesus did, I firmly believe that God will, God will give to you that man, that woman, that person who's sick with a palsy, who can't walk, and who needs the Lord. And you can be the friend to bring him to Christ. But prepare yourself. There's going to be those who are going to be reasoning and going to do what they can to hinder you. But just like these four men did, they didn't quit. And they trusted the Lord to overcome. And they did what they could do to bring this man to Christ. It wasn't the ordinary conventional way. Now, we don't change the message. We don't water down the message. It's always repentance and faith. But maybe there's some, some way that you can trust the Lord to give you to reach that man. Amen. I trust that you've been challenged by this missions conference. You know it would be a shame? When this conference is finished here in a few minutes, if the rest of this week, next week, all things continue as they were, no change, no new motivation, no seeking means, 
still asleep? I mean, God gives you truth. God brings you preaching to motivate you. And may God help us. May God help us to be different. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am thankful that I could be here tonight to impart the truth of the Word of God. And Father, we've got so many examples in your, in your Word. We carry this book. We hold this book. But Father, we don't allow the truth to sanctify us and to change us. It's just like reading a storybook. Storybooks don't change anybody. But Father, your truth has the power to do what we cannot do if we'll submit to it. Father, would you use this church in a greater way? A greater way. Father, may before this year is out, may there be people who've been saved and baptized. And Father, there's empty pews here. There's empty chairs here that can be filled, that ought to be filled with people. And Father, wouldn't it be a blessing if people really were diligent and did by faith what we saw tonight in the Word of God, that maybe in a, in a, in a few few short months, maybe a, a year, they would need to have a building program. Father, souls are going to hell. and You've given us your power, the Spirit of God. You've given us your word. You've empowered the church. We've got everything we need. Father, forgive us of our unbelief. May we apply what we've heard, I pray in Jesus' name.